Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, it's time to ask the question, who's the bosk? This is the podcast you're looking for. Who is this bosk character? I fear him. Who is the bosk? Hello and welcome to Who's the Bosk? It's a Star Wars podcast from laughingplace.com. My name is Mike Celestino. I am your host. I am the lead Southern California reporter and editorial director for Star Wars content at Laughing Place. This is episode 101 of Who's the Bosk? And we are going to be celebrating the third anniversary of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, the themed lands in both Disneyland Resort and Walt Disney World here in the United States. And for that conversation, I have invited uh, a first-time guest onto the show, uh, Mike Farnham. Mike, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy week to come and talk with me about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Mike, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So, Mike, you're the founder, I believe, and site runner over there at SWGalaxiesEdge.com. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct, sir. So tell me a little bit about how uh, that site got started and what goes on over at SWGalaxiesEdge.com. Yeah, it got started uh, way back, probably when the, the uh, Galaxy Edge lands were being introduced back in around 2015. And mm-hmm. I wanted a place where I could share what I'm learning and share with other people, you know, just kind of basically conversation about the land and, and what was coming and, and to uh, talk about what we knew about it and just kind of keep each other informed. And it's kind of grown to what it is today, kind of a place for plenty of people to hang out and then share their information and news. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I've certainly used it as a resource over the years since since Galaxy's Edge got announced. I know many people have uh, encountered your tweets on Twitter and, and seen you on Facebook and stuff. So yeah, thank you for setting this up. I know it's been a big uh, go-to website and social media accounts for people looking for information about Galaxy's Edge. And we're going to get into talking about the lands in greater depth in a little bit here. But first, since you are a first time guest, you do have to answer the five Star Wars questions. Are you ready for this? I'll sure do my best. All right. So the first of the five Star Wars questions, what is your earliest Star Wars memory? That would probably be uh, probably was about nine years old, right right around the time the movies came out. And Mm -hmm heading to the store and seeing the shelves just lined with action figures and trying to figure out which one I wanted. Okay. Cool. And did you did you end up getting any of the action figures? I actually did. What did I get? I think it was either Darth Vader or Stormtrooper at the time. Yeah. And with everything, it then you didn't have a lot of money back then, so you weren't sure if you picked the right one out, but eventually we got them all. But yeah, it was great to get that first action figure. Yeah, so many people got into this franchise from the collecting side of it, and I'm certainly a big part of that group. A uh, uh, very cluttered apartment that I live in right now. Do you have a lot of Do you have a lot of pieces in your collection? Not as many as I used to have. I used to yeah. have an entire room full, an attic full, closet full. Oh wow! And through the years, I kind of pared it down to just kind of uh, specific. Like I'm, I think I collect patches. Okay. Uh, got into the bobbleheads a little bit. Okay. Um, comic books, magazines. So I kind of narrowed it down because I tried to get everything and you just, there's no way to keep up with everything yeah. at all. Unless you're Steve Sansweet. <laughs> Why don't you say that? Exactly who I thought of when, when <laughs> I mentioned that. <laughs> all right. Number two of the five Star Wars questions. Which is your current favorite Star Wars movie or TV show and why? I'm unfortunately probably going to go with the common denominator. I'm going to pick The Empire Strikes Back, but okay. the despecialized version. 
Okay. I always like I always like the originals better. I was yeah. not happy with the remakes at all. Uh, I feel the same way. I wish they would kind of remaster the original cuts and release them uh, on Blu-ray or on Disney Plus or whatever. Yeah, I, I don't really watch the special editions when I watch Star Wars. I have the DVDs that have the original cuts. They're they're transfers from the Laserdisc, so they're not super high quality and they're non-anamorphic. So you kind of have to like zoom in on your TV screen <laughs> to watch it. But it's currently the best way that I have. And yeah, I, I've seen the despecialized editions my friend david downloaded those um, so that's a good way to watch them as well there's also something called the team negative one cut i don't know if you've encountered that that's like somebody found like an original negative of the the first film and uh cleaned it up nice and and released that so wow, there are no. ways uh, you can track it down if you want to see the original cuts but it's unfortunate to me that the only way available to watch it is the current special edition i mean i've got it on vhs but i've got to hold it up to a lamp and watch it through the uh through the tape i don't have a player anymore right <laughs> gotcha uh i don't know if vhs works that way from my recollection <laughs> i don't think so no no that's the you're thinking of film yeah <laughs> all right number oh, three man. yeah <laughs> number three who is your favorite star wars character and why i'm actually chosen uh my favorite is dak from the empire oh, strikes back yeah now it's but, kind of a personal reason for me not sure. necessarily because of the movie but because mm. I know the actor, John Morton. Oh, wow. How'd you, how'd you come to know him? I got to know him through the early days of the internet back in the 90s. Okay. Uh, got to know him actually through a friend of his. And so I get to chat with John and get to know him a little bit and find <laughs> out the time that he actually played Boba Fett for a day. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. Yeah. So uh, how often do you feel tempted to say to him, uh, I feel like I could take on the whole empire myself? <laughs> I, I've said it a few times. He's actually active on Facebook. So I have said it a few times when he's made some comments. <laughs> Okay. Just so stick it to him every now and then. Right. Gotcha. <laughs> awesome. Dak. Yeah, we haven't gotten that one before. So that's a good one to add to the list. Number four, if you happen to live in the fictional Star Wars universe, where would you fit in? What faction would you belong to? So some examples are the Jedi Order, the Sith, the Rebel Alliance, the Galactic Empire, the Bounty Hunters, the Scum and Villainy hanging out in the cantina, or anything else you can come up with. Well, I couldn't be a bounty hunter because I lose my own way in my own my own apartment. <laughs> uh, I couldn't be a Jedi because I'd probably cut my own hand off. <laughs> yes, same here. So I'm I'd very clumsy. <laughs> probably be safety in the Rebel Alliance. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much a good guy, so I'd probably be with the Rebel Alliance. Okay. Do you have a specific role you would want to play in the Rebel Alliance? You know, I'm not big on being front and center, so probably somebody in the background. I'd, okay. I'd be a mechanic or something in the background. Like that guy carrying the box through uh, when... Leia and Han are arguing in the hallway there. There, there you go. It's me exactly. Say, excuse me, I'm coming through. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Number five of the five Star Wars questions is called impression or possession. This is where I give my guest the opportunity to choose between doing a Star Wars impression or simply telling me about a favorite Star Wars possession they may own. What do you think, Mike? Which one do you want to do? Actually, if you don't mind, could I do both? Absolutely. No problem no. whatsoever. My impression, I actually have two quick ones. I've got okay. one I've been working on really hard for the past five minutes. Okay. It's uh, Princess Leia when she does Help Me, Obi-Wan. You're my only help. Great. Let's working. hear it. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> help Me, Obi-Wan. You're my only help. <laughs> Uncanny. Uh, okay, is Carrie close Fisher your eyes. contacting us from the dead? <laughs> <laughs> close your eyes. You swear it was your watching yeah, movie. It was exactly. <laughs> wow. You really nailed it. Okay. What about the possession? One more, one more quick impression. I've oh yeah, sorry, sorry. Since... Yes, second impression. Yes. Oh no, no, that's fine. Since uh, since the new movie, new trilogy just came out. Here, here you go. You ready? Yeah. 
That was tough. Let me guess. That's Poe Dameron. No. Uh, <laughs> Very close. <laughs> nice. Nice to hear from BB-8 there. <laughs> that's a hard one. That was rough. That was rough. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, it's first my possession, though. Um, yeah. I have actually have a copy of Dark Empire number one comic book. Nice. But I have it signed by Mark Hamill, Terry Fisher, Tony Daniels, Peter Mayhew, oh. Kenny Baker, wow. and then the writers and artists, Cam Kennedy, Tom Beach, and Dave Dorman. That's fantastic. You had that framed? I don't. I need to. Oh. I need to get protected. No, it's it's an, it's bagged with my other comics right now. Okay. Yeah, that's something that belongs on a wall, I think. But yeah, that's that's a great one for sure. So yeah, it's one one of my favorites. One of my favorites. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I love Dark Empire. I had the trade paperback. I think that came out in the '90s, and then I started buying them when they were doing Dark Empire Two. So I do have the original run of that comic, but I don't have the original individual issues from the first run. Yeah, they hurt too because I just grew up in the Marvel days when comics were sixty cents. So to pay three, four dollars for a comic really hurt at the time. But I'm glad yeah. I did. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, that's the end of uh, the five Star Wars questions. That brings us to Star Wars headlines for the week. And we found out, I think, yesterday as of this recording, that production has actually begun yesterday on Star Wars Ahsoka, which is going to be one of the upcoming live-action Star Wars TV series on Disney Plus. You excited for this show, Mike? I am actually. Yeah, I am looking definitely looking forward to it. You a big Ahsoka fan? Not as big as many, but I definitely appreciate her. I I, I got to be honest, I never watched the cartoons. I'm a bad boy. But, <laughs> That's but I, fine. But I, really, I, I really do appreciate the character, though. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I didn't go through all of Clone Wars until very recently, probably like two years ago now. I f- finally finished that whole series right before the new ones. The, the season seven came out on Disney Plus. I like wrapped up all the, the existing ones. So I'm with you. Uh, I'm a latecomer to Ahsoka as well, but I, I'm becoming a big fan of that character and definitely looking forward to that series, especially because Grand Admiral Thrawn is, uh, of course, rumored to be the, the main villain in there. And he's a, a favorite of mine from the novels, finally oh, making his way yeah, to, to live action. That would be pretty great. But uh, before that, we are getting, of course, the Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi series coming out at the end of this month. And we got a new trailer for that. Did you happen to watch the new trailer for Obi-Wan? I did. I did. This is absolutely looking amazing. It is looking amazing. I'm super excited for this. The thing that jumped out at me, the first thing I said when I watched this new trailer was I would be equally as excited, if not more so for this show, if it was called Uncle Owen, because uh, I am super psyched to see Joel Edgerton back as Owen Lars. And I think he's doing a great job kind of finding the middle ground between how he played that character 20 years ago and how uh, the other actor whose name escapes me at the moment played him in the original Star Wars film. Um, He's kind of doing an impression halfway between those two. And I'm really excited to find out more about the relationship between Owen and Obi-Wan, obviously they're kind of at odds about how Luke Skywalker should be raised. And I think that's going to be very interesting. It's we- That's a weird thing to be excited about, I think, for this show. Because most people are excited for the Inquisitors and the lightsaber duels and, and hating Christensen coming back. I'm excited for Uncle Owen. <laughs> yeah, we see the motivation behind some of the things that we, that we know about or think we know about anyway. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you can check out the new Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer on the official Star Wars YouTube channel. We also got a new uh, hour-long documentary special, behind-the-scenes special, called Disney Gallery, The Book of Boba Fett on Disney+. Plus. Did you watch this one, Mike? 
It did not. No, I have not seen it yet. Okay, yeah, I recommend checking this out. I really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed all these Disney Gallery Star Wars specials because they're really enlightening and eye-opening about how they're making these live-action TV series for Disney Plus from from Lucasfilm. And this one in particular, I was actually kind of surprised by a lot of things. Like when I saw Luke Skywalker pop up, spoiler alert, Luke Skywalker Uh, is in Book of Boba Fett. But when he came uh, showed up in that show, I thought for sure, okay, they're just kind of doing it digitally now. They have a stand-in. You know, they 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 fake the voice with the computer or whatever. Mark Hamill doesn't really have to show up anymore. But in this in this show, in this behind the scenes special, you see Mark Hamill was on set for pretty much every shot. He like planned out all the actions and how Luke would uh, perform each move and each uh, line of dialogue. Then the stand in would step in and copy his actions. And Hamill was there to guide that whole performance, which I found very, very impressive and, and really made me happy that he was willing to continue to perform this role after almost 45 years of playing wow. Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Very impressive. I did see a still picture of, of himself and this hand in together. Yeah. That was, that was pretty impressive. Yeah. So definitely recommend checking that out. There's also uh, plenty of stuff about um, another thing I was surprised by how many practical puppets there were again in this show, like the mayor, Makshayiz, the Ethorian character, he's a practical puppet. Uh, I thought for oh, sure wow. they would have done that in CGI. So it just goes to show you, they are still using some of the old methods as well, in addition to the uh, stagecraft and the, the virtual production um, and the volume and stuff like that. So they're kind of mixing the old and the new. Um, how, how do you feel in general about these uh, the, the John Favreau verse on Disney Plus? Are you excited about the future of this uh, storytelling universe. Oh my gosh, yes, this is just amazing, yeah. absolutely amazing. He's telling some stories that we wished we'd had years ago, and absolutely. like you say, he's he's able to use the new technology and and still stick with the old technology. Yes. So it kind of feels seamless to us old timers. You know, it, it feels like the original movies. Seamless is a great word for it. Yeah, they they're doing a really great job of figuring out how to best utilize all those different technologies and mix them all together. Okay, here's something that I think you're going to be interested in. Um, It's the Disneyland After Dark Star Wars night I attended last week. It was the night before Star Wars Day. So I went on May the 3rd, and then May the 4th was Star Wars Day at Disneyland. Did you hear anything about this Star Wars night thing? I was reading a little bit, and I saw a couple of videos of some YouTubers that went and seemed to have a pretty good time. I've actually been myself, honestly. I wish I could, but I haven't. Okay, um, so for this Disneyland After Dark thing, they bring out a lot of kind of rare, unique characters. Like everybody was super excited to see Captain Rex was there. I'm pretty sure that's the first time he's appeared in a Disney park as like a person in a costume. Oh, wow. um, like uh, Sabine and and Ezra from Rebels. Ahsoka, there were some questions about why Ahsoka didn't show up to her meet and greet, but she was spotted around, the, um, around Tomorrowland and stuff. Then Emperor Palpatine was there. Uh, and then they had the wow. cantina band playing on the raft in. Uh, I saw that picture. Yeah. <laughs> in the awesome. rivers of America. Um, so pretty cool, fun stuff like that. They had a big lightsaber meetup official one this time instead of just fan plan, you know, fan organized ones in uh, Galaxy's Edge in front of the Millennium Falcon there. So it was mm-hmm. a fun night. Uh, it was tough to cover these kind of events as a theme park journalist because I'm like running around like a crazy person trying to get everything in the, in the four hours that this thing takes place from 9 p.m. till 1 a.m. 
But uh, yeah, you can find all the coverage of that Disneyland After Dark Star Wars Night on the Laughing Place website, laughingplace.com and on Laughing Place YouTube channel. Uh, we also celebrated Black Spire Day. What could you tell me about Black Spire Day at Galaxy's Edge? Oh my gosh. I, I, I apologize. I'm blank on that one. Really? Okay. Me <laughs> wow, I'm shocked to hear that. So, okay. So there was a book that came out that you probably own called Star Wars, A Traveler's Guide to Batu. Do you have that yes. one? Yeah. Okay. I, I, inter- I interviewed the author Cole Horton uh, a couple years ago when that book came out. And in the book, they mentioned this thing called Black Spire Day. And there's actually a few holidays mentioned in that book, but I kind of put the pieces together. And I think Cole actually confirmed this for me that Black Spire Day was planned to be kind of the in-universe version of May the 4th, AKA Star Wars Day. When you go to Galaxy's Edge, this is how they'd be celebrating May the 4th in the land on the planet Batuu. So you can get merchandise that says Black Spire Day on it. And there's mugs and t-shirts and pins and stuff like that. I kind of thought there would be more to it, like decorations and maybe the, you know, the Batuans and some of the characters Ray and Chewbacca might be celebrating, but it's really just merchandise, which is a little bit of a a bummer. But yeah, if you do Mm. go to Disneyland or I believe it's supposed to be a Walt Disney World as well and go to Galaxy's Edge on May the 4th, you can celebrate this Black Spire Day, uh, which is the the in-universe version of Star That's Wars great. Day. How about to put it on my calendar? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> How about Batu Bounty Hunter? Have you have you heard about this? And I'm sure you've been covering this. Uh, yeah. The, oh, the yeah. Magic Band yeah. Plus interactions at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. What can you tell me about that? That's gonna be pretty amazing. It, it's it's uh, I'm trying to describe. It. It's kind of like um, hot potato. Not not really hot potato. You're getting game you played when you were a kid. You know, you're getting colder. You're getting colder. Right. You're getting right. Warmer, getting warmer. Yes. So it's going to interact with the new Magic Band Plus, where you're going to be able to, to track down, I guess, bounties for different characters. Okay. And your watch is going to let you know if you're getting hotter or colder based on trying to find that person. And how does it let you know? This is like a vibration or something? There's, there's lights, I believe, that light up. There's a vibration. I, I, I'm trying to remember exactly what the video mentioned. I apologize. For That's my okay. memories. Yeah, so you, you get bounties. Uh, where do you pick up your bounties? Like, where do you find out? who you're tracking down and where you need to go oh gosh uh i apologize i'm blank on that one Mike. no that's okay um i'm actually not <laughs> sure myself i'm just curious because there's a couple buildings that are kind of still going unused in galaxy's edge so i was curious if it was one of those but it does seem like and sound like a pretty interesting way to make galaxy's edge a little bit more interactive another one of those things that we've been waiting for i'm sure we'll talk about that more when we get into the land a little bit do we know when this is opening up i haven't heard an official date at all but yeah the they are testing it so it's got to be got to be coming up fairly soon i would think maybe by the end of the month or in june right and that'll be down at walt disney world and then i think probably by the end of this year we're supposed to get magic band plus as well in disneyland resort so hopefully we'll get that batu bounty hunter going in galaxy's edge uh, west as well that would be great yeah um i wrote a book review on laughingplace.com. It's a book called Star Wars Brotherhood by Mike Chen. And this book, it's a novel that takes place right at the beginning of the Clone Wars. So it's like right after the end of Attack of the Clones. Um, And it's about basically Obi-Wan's mission to Cato Nemoidia that he mentions. He actually references this mission in Revenge of the Sith. So they finally like filled in this gap 
in the Star Wars storytelling. Basically, Obi-Wan has to go to Cato Nemoidia, which is the Nemoidian's home planet. And then mm-hmm. Anakin has to go there to rescue him because he gets into some trouble. But I, I really enjoyed this book. I'm not a huge prequel guy, but uh, I actually thought Mike Chen did a great job of carrying capturing the positive spirit of those films and definitely, uh, especially the voices of those characters, Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, just you can hear the dialogue like coming out of the mouths of Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen. I just thought uh, this writer did a great job of uh, finally delivering this story. Um, Mike, are you a big reader of Star Wars novels? Not like I used to be. No, I yeah. I, I always was in the old days when um, the new series came out in 91. I started reading again and I really haven't recently. No. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is a good one if you want to pick it up. I don't, I don't know if you're a prequel fan or uh, where your most of your interests lie, but I, I enjoyed this book, so uh, th- I definitely recommend this one. No, I appreciate, yeah, I appreciate anything. As long as it's a good read, and like you said, you can tell it's a good book when you can hear those voices in your yes. head. Definitely, absolutely, and that's definitely true for this one. How about comic books? When was the last time you read a Star Wars comic? Uh, I got into the Galaxy's Edge and the latest one, the Galactic Star Cruiser. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you got to keep up with the the ones that tie in with the theme parks for sure. Um, but I wrote a couple reviews this week of new comics from Marvel Comics that are Star Wars licensed. Uh, the first one was called Star Wars Obi Wan Number One, and this is kind of a precursor slash tie-in to the Obi-Wan Kenobi series coming to Disney Plus. But this one's going to be covering basically his entire life. So it starts with old Obi-Wan in the period right before the events of the first movie, uh, A New Hope, episode four. And he's writing in his journal. And then we flash back to his childhood, basically around age 10, I would say, in this issue. And this issue number one is about um, a relationship he has with a friend at the Jedi Academy on Coruscant. And this friend wants to run away and quit being a Jedi, quit being a a Padawan or a a youngling or whatever. Um, And it's about how Obi-Wan tries to convince them not to leave and then has to go and uh, help them when they they do leave the the temple. But it's pretty fun. I'm looking forward to future issues being a little less... um, this one felt a little low stakes to me, I would say, but I think it's it's going to get more exciting as it goes along, probably. Then I did uh, Star Wars number 23 by Charles Soule, uh, one of my current favorite Star Wars writers. He did a great job with this as well. This is about the continuing struggle between the Rebel Alliance and the uh, Imperial uh, Star Destroyer commanded by Commander Zara, who's a female Imperial officer. This takes place between the Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. They have a big climactic battle. And this issue, number 23, is actually told mostly from the Imperial side of things, from the Imperial perspective. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, definitely, uh, this this is the main Star Wars title. I I like this one more than the Obi-Wan one, but I am curious to see what they continue to do with this Obi-Wan miniseries as it goes along. Um, There's tons of merchandise that came out last week for May the 4th for the Star Wars Day celebration. May the 4th be with you. And we covered all that and more on laughingplace.com. I just wanted to mention that because there's way too much for me to mention, for me to talk about every individual item here on the podcast, but just go over to laughingplace.com 
facebook.com type star wars day into the search bar all that stuff will come up you can comb through everything that got either announced or released but the one thing i did want to kind of touch on specifically is hasbro the, the very popular toy company that has the star wars license for action figures and they revealed a bunch of new figures coming out the ones i'm most excited for is uh, of course, the ones that are related to the original trilogy, uh, the Cantina band is coming to the Star Wars, the Black Series. Are you a Black Series collector? Here and there. Not everything. Yeah. I just kind of pick out the ones I like. Sure. Okay. So now uh, they're going to be putting out Figure and Dan and Nalan Chiel. These are two members of the Cantina band, a.k.a. Finger, Figure and Dan in the modal nodes. But if you buy multiple copies of each of these guys, you can basically fill out the rest of the band. Between the two, they'll come with all the instruments that you need to make the full cantina band. And they, you know, Great. all those Biff guys kind of look the same. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, now be careful. Yeah, no, I know, I know. Sorry, anyone from Biff, uh, uh, apologies. But yeah, <laughs> it's hard. It's tough to tell the difference between you guys. Um, but yeah, that that was the one I'm as I was most excited for. Then we're also getting Princess Leia in the ewok village outfit from return of the jedi finally coming to the black series and then one from the mandalorian that got announced that i'm excited for is the new republic security droid you might remember uh popping up in a couple episodes so look for those on hasbropulse.com i also shot an unboxing video hasbro was nice enough to send over uh, a nice box of star wars toys and action figures and a couple lightsabers there's this like mix and match lightsaber series that's pretty fun i think it's called lightsaber forge and i did an unboxing video you can watch that on the laughing place youtube channel check out all that stuff and that's going to bring us to the end of star wars headlines for this week and to our main topic for this episode which is of course star wars galaxy's edge which which opened may 31st 2019 three years ago at the end of this month but the end of this month is going to be so crazy busy i thought we'd celebrate a few weeks early so tell me uh, mike now you're probably more into galaxy's edge than anybody you know i'm pretty into galaxy's edge but i think that you probably top anybody else out there what what was the first time that you heard about star wars galaxy's edge and what were your expectations after this thing got announced I actually heard about it uh, through other people's pictures and videos where they were clearing out the land at the time. And I'm going to be yeah. honest, I didn't really realize it was Star Wars. I really? just saw the pictures and I said, oh, okay, they're expanding Disneyland. That's nice. And I just kind of moved on. <laughs> and once I realized it was Galaxy's Edge, I said, okay, maybe I'd be a little more interested than uh, <laughs> just just kind of blowing this off. But right. uh, as far as expectations, I, I think fans kind of expected, hey, maybe we're going to get a Tatooine or Hoth or Endor. It'd be kind of great that, you know, the land we've always wanted to visit that we could visit. Maybe some mm-hmm. character meet and greets, you know, kind of just everything, Star Wars that they could imagine would right. show up. Maybe have some interactivity and, and uh, things like that. But uh, I think that's what fans were kind of hoping for. Yeah, definitely heard that from a lot of people that they wanted there to be a Tatooine or an Endor for sure. And they ended up you know, going down a different route, creating an original planet called Batu, which had not previously been part of the Star Wars expanded universe or anything, but now has been worked into the uh, larger canon via comic books and novels and stuff like that, which is cool. But do you think that was a, a good decision overall to steer away from the familiar and 
create an original location for the theme parks? Well, to make fans happy, probably not. You know, fan, fans want what they want. But I, I try to remind, remind people when Star Wars came out, nobody ever heard of Tatooine either. Right. <laughs> so, you know, there, there's lots more than five places in the universe, Star Wars universe. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it was a great idea, honestly, and overall, to just create a new land, new, you know, just start fresh, create what you want. Yeah, I agree. I, I love Batu, and I think tattooing could have been one way to go and i think it would have been interesting to have you know moss Eisley spaceport there and you can wander around um but i'm glad that they went the other route because tattooing can get a little boring after a while and i feel like batu is kind of the best of all worlds like they kind of took an amalgam of a bunch of different star wars planets and put it into batu you know you have that little bit of a, a marketplace that you would find in um Tatooine you also have uh, a cantina like you would find in Moss Eisley spaceport but then you also get some greenery and stuff like that too like if it's all desert and right, sand so it's kind of like Kashyyyk or my yes, favorite Endor exactly yeah so there's a little bit of variety there that you wouldn't have if you just did Tatooine which I think uh, I think it could have been done well but I am glad that they made the decision that they did uh, as to whether it's that promise has been 100% fulfilled. I think we're going to get into that. And uh, actually, we'll talk about that right now because my next <laughs> little bullet point here was, you know, were your expectations met uh, once this thing finally opened and why or why not? I'm going to have to say, speaking for me personally, it depends on what a person's expectations are. Yeah. Now, me, I'm kind of a unique position because I've been following the construction behind the scenes stuff. So for me, I, I, kind of tempered my expectations because I could see things were coming along. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were construction delays, there were issues that most people weren't aware of. So I kind of understand also the drawing of a concept drawing versus what reality is going to happen are usually not the same yeah. concept. You know, Disney's always told to reach for the stars when you were designing something. So right. they do. Blue, blue sky, they call it. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then reality sets in. Yes. And uh, so, you know, I don't think you know, I don't think the average fan thinks the expectations were there, but I think they just need kind of tempered what they were expecting. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I think expectations is a great way to look at something like this because it does influence your reactions so much. If you have really high expectations or if you're expecting something very specific and you go there and it doesn't meet those lofty goals or it doesn't right. deliver on that exact thing that you want uh, it can feel a little disappointing. So uh, you and I, I think, both knew a lot about Galaxy's Edge going in. So maybe having that information helped right. us uh, temper our expectations, like you said. Um, but let's get into some of the the specifics of Galaxy's Edge. So uh, let's list the, what, what are some of your favorite things, thinking about some specific things that you could encounter or participate in in these lands. I'm again. I'm I'm more of a behind the scenes and how it works kind of guy. So for me, it's kind of the execution of the whole land itself. Yeah. From the concept of that giant model that we saw to just you know the sheer size of making the whole place is, is really impressive. I mean, there were details there that they didn't even have to make. The fans probably don't even know were there. Right. Uh, it's like in a, one of the giant spires, there's like a a three foot tree sticking out of the side of it. Right. Why? There's no need for that to be there, but <laughs> the care and attention to detail. 
to put that tree there. So if somebody ever looks one day, they're going to see that little tree. I mean, I just, I just love the, the attention to detail, things like that. Yeah, detail is a great point. Uh, and the design of the land itself is certainly very high on my list, if not number one of my favorite things about Galaxy's Edge, just walking around and taking in the atmosphere and the fact that this place feels fully immersive. You can't see the outside world from inside, for the most part. There's a couple exceptions, if you know where to look, where you right. can see other parts of Disneyland or the parking garage or whatever. But um, for the most part, you can't see the outside world from, from Batu anywhere you're standing. And I love that about it. Um, what about things that bothered you about Galaxy's Edge? Anything stick out? Well, the, the one I think a lot of people didn't like either is the lack of that sit-down restaurant that they were promised. Yes. Which seemed to be another victim of the budget cuts and things. I mean, it would add a lot of atmosphere and life to the land. And actually, we kind of got that over here on the East Coast with um, the Star Cruiser. because They were supposed to have the dinner theater and the singing and performing. And that kind of ended up being over here in the Crown of Corellia. Right. And it seems like a lot of things that are kind of lacking from Galaxy's Edge kind of wound it up, wound up in Galactic Star Cruiser. And I think one of the big things for me that I wish happened more often in Galaxy's Edge is kind of the immersive theater aspect of it and interacting with characters and kind of going on missions and stuff, which I was really expecting and hoping for would would be a big part of Galaxy's Edge. Now we are getting this bounty hunter thing, but that's mostly going to be on your app or on on your Magic Band Plus or whatever. I love. There's this thing here in Southern California at Knott's Berry Farm called Ghost Town Alive. Have you heard about this? I have heard of that. Yeah. So Ghost Town Alive was created by an ex Imagineer uh, named Ken Parks, and and he did this thing at Knott's Berry Farm where you you go. Uh, it's actually eight hours long every day. If you go during the summer, the story starts, I think, at 10 a.m. and it wraps up at 6 p.m. And throughout that whole time, there's probably a dozen or more characters roaming around the ghost town area. And the story plays out over the day and they'll give you little missions to do. If you're a guest, uh, you can participate, you can interact in any way that you see fit. And the, there's scenes that happen throughout the day as well big story beats that'll happen and play out kind of like very similar to what ended up being the galactic star cruiser experience but i would have loved to see that kind of thing in galaxy's edge and i still cross my fingers and hope that they will introduce more of that kind of thing as time goes on uh what do you think is there a chance we'll get more of that kind of interaction with live actors in galaxy's edge i'm really hoping so because every day I see a video about Avengers Campus getting a new character. Right. <laughs> I say to myself, come on, Galaxy's Edge, if they can do it, you can do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, some of that feels a little stale to me at this point. You know, three years in, obviously a year of that, the park wasn't open here in, in California, but we, we have Ray, we have Chewbacca, we have the Stormtroopers, we have Vimerati. And there was an Imperial officer. I haven't seen him in a couple of years. Uh, <laughs> even, even had a uh, Finn-like character. They never said it was Finn, but even had a Finn character for a little while, too. Really? Oh, I didn't know about that. I hadn't seen him around. Uh, was that only in Walt Disney World or was that here? It, you know, I may have, been, may have just been on our coast. And I think okay. he, even, he's, even he's gone, though. Huh. Yeah. So more characters, more interactions. That would be great. I know a lot of people have complained about the land kind of being stuck in this one time frame between uh the last jedi and the rise of skywalker between episodes eight and nine 
Is that something that you'd like to see them be a little more flexible, flexible about? Honestly, no, I like where it's at. Okay. I do because I mean, the whole point of the land is to be where it's at. If you right. change that, then you're just, you know, you're, you're turning, you're turning your special thing into something common. I really don't want that. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely two ways to look at that. I remember being at the grand opening and they did a press conference actually with Scott Trowbridge, who was the creative uh, lead on the Imagineering team behind Galaxy's Edge. And I actually asked him about this question, you know, is it possible for that time frame to change at some point in the future? Because I had seen there's concept art out there with an Imperial shuttle and Imperial stormtroopers walking around Batu, And I wanted to know, like, was that part of the plan? Why did they end up doing it in the prequel era? Could that change? And he certainly left that possibility open. He didn't say no. You know, he was like, you know, this right. is kind of built into the, the potential of Galaxy's Edge. So it's something we could possibly see down the line, hopefully, or, you know, sometime in the future. You know, a quick bit of trivia, though, the, uh, the tie echelon that's there was mm -hmm. actually a ship from the original draft of Episode 8. That's right. Created by Colin Trevorrow for his script called uh, The Duel of the Fates, <laughs> episode right. nine. Right. And yeah. that would have been worked in kind of a tie-in between the land and episode nine. Obviously, Trevorrow was let go as the filmmaker and J.J. And Abrams came in to replace him. And that kind of that plan kind of fell through. But the ship remains. You can find it to this day in Galaxy's Edge. It's the first order vehicle, the first order ship, ship that's parked in the kind of southeast corner of Galaxy's Edge. Uh, what about other stuff that got cut? Now, do you have that book, Amy Ratcliffe's book, The Art of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge? I actually had it and then I gifted it to a friend, but I did, I did manage to scan through and take a look at it. Okay, so that had some cool stuff in it as far as uh, things that got removed from the plans, oh, gosh, like yeah. the uh, restaurant that you mentioned. There was um, at some point they were planning to have kind of a menagerie of creatures that you could walk through these caverns and there would be like a rancor and other stuff like that that you could see, which that would have amazing. been really awesome. Um, anything else that got cut that uh, you were kind of disappointed didn't make it into the final version of Galaxy's Edge? Yeah, Biggie, they actually announced it at D23 back in 2017. Was the, uh, it was kind of a ride, kind of like a Bantha ride. Yes, and uh, it was, for those who don't know, it's supposed to be a third attraction, actually, where the speeder garage is today. Right. Passengers were able to climb aboard kind of like a bantha-like creature. I think I'm riding about eight or ten passengers at a time. And it would take a slow ride through the park and check it out. And yeah, the, I mean, yeah. the Imagineering story on Disney Plus even has a video, a little clip video about it, showing them testing it with the computer software and actually riding the, the, the uh, vehicle. Yeah, so that footage is out there. You can find uh, how cool that looked, this animatronic creature that they were building. Like you said, probably about the size of a bantha, and it would only fit about eight to 10 people at a time. And there was a, an interview with Doug Chang, the concept artist recently, and he talked about why that never came to fruition. It was just basically because of that reason that it was so uh, limited in its capacity that it would have taken forever for people to get through the queue of that line. It yeah, just... they, they, need, they need a big throughput. And they, yeah, you would have had lines all day that only got about 40 people through the line. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that is a bummer. I think one of the other complaints that I can acknowledge and agree with about Galaxy's Edge is that it doesn't have uh, a lot of things, a lot of visual momentum have, happening or a lot of kinetic activity happening around the land itself. It all feels kind of very 
static. And I think that would have, that attraction would have added a lot of motion and movement, especially, you know, you're hanging out eating a, a Ronto wrap or whatever, and the creature ambles by with people on it. That, that would have been so cool. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Plus, the riders get a different perspective of the land, too, whether yeah. they're riding. Absolutely. Yeah. You get to see it from uh, a point where it's impossible to see it otherwise. So, yeah, I think that that path is still wide enough for that to be implemented at some point in the future. So if they ever decide, OK, well, maybe now we can introduce this. That, yeah. that I've been told from a cast member, the space is all still there for a third. Yeah. And but the sooner at the time I was told that the soonest they could ever possibly consider adding it would be around 2029. Oh, wow. That's a while away. <laughs> well, that, you know, that may have changed because of COVID and budgeting and things, but at the yeah. time, yeah, it was going to be like a 10-year thing before they could think about adding. Huh. All right. Well, uh, who knows when we'll ever see changes or additions to Galaxy's Edge. But uh, let's talk about the attractions that did make it. So we did get two. Uh, they are, I think they're both considered e-ticket attractions. Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run was the first one that opened, that opened with the land on both coasts. What are your thoughts on Smuggler's Run? I love it. I really do. I know some people think it's a disappointment because it's a simulator ride, but yeah. the queue itself is, is worth the wait in line just to see all the amazing things that are in the queue. And then the ride itself is amazing. The technology to make it work, it's just mm. unbelievable. I definitely I love the queue. I totally agree. Uh, going through the queue is my favorite part of Smuggler's Run. I am sadly one of those people who's not a huge fan of flight simulator attractions. I just think I love going to theme parks because things are like real and really there in front of you, you know? Um, so that's not my favorite genre of theme park attraction, but considering what it is, I do think it's very impressive as far as a technological achievement goes. I do wish they had incorporated multiple different missions. And I kind of thought that going in, I remember the first time I ever went on it, I was confused that Oh, I, I like asked an Imagineer there at the grand opening. I was like, wait, that's different missions, right? You can go on and get a different one every time. Or there's like half a dozen different ones or something. He's like, no, because I had seen there was a, a, another piece of concept art that came out where there was like a big tentacle monster or whatever. And that never happens in the attraction. Right. So uh, who knows if that was planned? Do you think was that intent? Was that the intent to have different missions you could go on to your knowledge? There were actually supposed to be three different missions that I'm okay. aware of. The one we have now currently, the one yeah. you were talking about, they introduced again at D23. And it was yeah. kind of like similar to like the solo mission where they escaped that, that creature. Yeah, the Suba Verminoff, I think it's called. <laughs> Bless you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then there was actually a third mission. It was basically like a pod race. Okay. Type mission. And I haven't heard an official explanation as to why. I don't know if it's a software issue or what exactly, why they're not putting those in rotation. I may have to go check on that again now that we're talking about it. Okay. Well, maybe that's a thing, again, that they can implement at a later date, like they do with Star Tours. Seems like every once in a while, they can still update the Adventures Continue. You know, if a new movie comes out, they put in something for the Rise of Skywalker on Star Tours. So maybe, you know, three years into Galaxy's Edge, we haven't gotten a major update to anything like that but maybe uh maybe at some point later on well we can we can do chewy mode that's something right but, yes right, uh, there right. is chewy <laughs> yeah that's that's funny i've seen those videos uh, i haven't quite accomplished chewy mode myself but uh, maybe someday um <laughs> all right let's get to the big one now star wars rise of the resistance i know a lot of people put this at the top of their list sometimes of uh, you know theme park best theme park attraction of all time it's not my favorite of all time but it's definitely 
up there, probably maybe top five for me. Uh, what are your thoughts on Rise of the Resistance? Oh, gosh. Uh, again, I, I see a lot of things from technical behind the scenes uh, as far as the ride itself. And it's, it's absolutely amazing technology. Yeah. Um, uh, just the way that everybody I talk to says, wow, I just feel like I was in the movie. Yeah. And they just, they're so impressed with that. They, if they only knew the technology behind it all, they'd be even more impressed. <laughs> yes. Uh, kind of like what we were talking about earlier with The Mandalorian and how Jon Favreau as a filmmaker combined all these different filmmaking techniques to make that show. I feel like this is the theme park attraction version of that where they took basically every trick in the book is utilized in Rise of the Resistance. And there's a few different ride uh, systems going on. That's why it breaks down every once in a while over there. Um, but uh, just so many great little magic tricks that really fool your brain into thinking you are really going up into space and boarding this first order star destroyer and getting captured and being rescued by the resistance. Uh, yeah, just a wonderful, it, it's a great, attraction to bring somebody on if they've never gone before and just watch their face through the whole thing because the, yeah there's, there's no, so, the, go ahead the, the, sorry i apologize the, the, yeah. the best the best part of the first timers when they get into the uh the its transport in the beginning to yeah. take off yes they go in one door and think yep. they're going out the other side yes they actually wait a minute we're going out the same door Every time that gets people and it got me probably the first three times I went on, I was like, wait a minute, I forgot. It's a great, yeah. Like I said, just a great little illusion. Um, and you are totally expecting to go that other door. Um, what a wonderful magic trick and, and a wonderful way to trick your brain uh, into believing you're really in the adventure and in the movie, like you said, um, such a, such a terrific attraction uh love rise of the resistance think they knocked it out of the park with that one for sure let me say real quick for your listeners yeah. that um my wife is physically challenged if you're physically challenged you can still ride both of these rides mm -hmm. millennium falcon has two separate uh, ada compliant areas where you can take your time you can get off you do have to transfer to the seats but you can get off ride the ride get done transfer back and, and you know you don't have to rush at all and right. the same with rise of resistance the front seats the front row, whatever the ride vehicles actually have a door that opens up to help you transfer also. So don't, don't be afraid if you're physically challenged, you are able to ride these rides. That's terrific. That's great to hear uh, that they've worked into, they've worked in that accessibility uh, from the ground level on, on both of these attractions. So uh, rise of the resistance, definitely a highly recommended. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about kind of mentioned this earlier, the fact that, Galaxy's Edge was open, I think, less than a year. Yeah, there was it was open for like 10 months here in Southern California before Disneyland shut down in the summer of, oh, sorry, in the spring of 2020 was when Disneyland closed for the COVID-19 pandemic and it was closed for a little over a year. Do you think things would be different now in Galaxy's Edge if the pandemic hadn't happened? Do you think there were things planned to roll out that we didn't see roll out because uh, everything got derailed in that way. That I'm aware of. I honestly don't think there was anything that really was affected as far as ride opening or, or improvements or things. Unfortunately, yeah. it affected a lot of cast members, obviously. Yeah. And a lot of them just weren't able to stay on with Disney. So it, it affected staffing after uh, things reopened, which I feel really badly about. But 
as far as the attraction itself, I don't think it's like it really had that major of an effect. Okay. I just, I guess in my head, I have this picture of, okay, they, they opened Galaxy's Edge. They were waiting like a year or two before they started implementing other stuff. Like in my head, I had all these uh, immersive uh, character interactions and more missions and stuff like that. And maybe all of that got derailed by the pandemic, but I suppose we'll never know. Um, but maybe like you're saying, there wasn't any plans for stuff like that. And this, you know, Galaxy's Edge as it stands is how it was intended to be by the powers that be currently at Disney. Like, you know, uh, Bob Chapek obviously was the uh, chairman of Disney Parks when this got, when this opened, when Galaxy's Edge opened, and now he's the CEO of Disney. So um, whatever he, you know, within the budget that he permitted, this is kind of what we have is what we were intended to get. I guess we could say. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, I, I, from my people that I talk to, I don't recall anything ever. You know, oh my gosh, we're not going to have this because of the of the COVID. I really, I really don't believe there was anything. Yeah. Okay. Well, what would you like to see? Is there anything else that you would like to see that we haven't talked about, added to Galaxy's Edge, or changed about Galaxy's Edge? Uh, additions. Of course, I'd like to see those live shows come back. Or actually right. start. I mean, I know they had them for like the press visits. Yes. They had a nice lightsaber fight with uh, Ray and Kyle yes. Ren. They had uh, Vi Marade running around. They had a lot of uh, X-Wing pilots. Yep. And then I'd like to see the roaming droids that they had been talking about too. Right. Little uh, Jake, I think was his Jake. name, right? They tested yeah. for a little while. began to be in a ride toy for a few kids. So they uh, <laughs> kind, of, kind of backed that down a little bit. I guess so. Yeah, that, uh, that show that happened at the media the opening night like you said thought for sure that was gonna happen like i was waiting when when the show when the land opened for regular guests i went that day and i was just sitting there waiting for it to happen and it never <laughs> happened still hasn't Park, happened <laughs> you knew where we're gonna be if so you park yourself and just wait okay this is where ray's gonna be wait, yeah wait. exactly exactly um yeah a couple a couple of little things like that that I was totally surprised by that I was expecting and waiting for. There was a moment during the opening where the somebody from the resistance like pulled me aside and swore me into the resistance and everything. I thought for sure this is going to be a part of the regular guest oh, nice. experience at at Galaxy's Edge and never never saw that again. I know there was supposed to be a bounty hunter character that was created for the show for the land that was in like the trading cards and some of the concept art and stuff he never showed up <laughs> so the rep reputation part yes. never kind of fizzled they try i think they had it set up as registers and they never really used it it's gone right yeah what happened to that your your score on on smuggler's run was really supposed to affect how the characters interact with you in the land that never really paid off that was supposed to be part of the bounty hunter thing too, I think as well, but I, I, in my experience, most people tend to crash the Millennium Falcon anyway. So I think like right. almost everyone would have gotten a terrible score. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty rare that people do perfect unless you're the uh, engineer, then you could hit all those buttons. But uh, as far as the pilots and the gunners go, it's, it's a tough uh, experience. And even over here in the East, we had those X-Wing drones for one night. Yes. That flew. That's right. Yeah. They, they really pull out all the stops for the Media, media experience and then once uh once the guests get in there i guess the budget uh, doesn't call for it unfortunately i wish that it did because uh there was a lot of Agreed. cool stuff in there Agreed. Um, 
yeah let's let's dip into Gal- uh, galactic star cruiser a little bit more now have you had experience have you had the chance to visit the galactic star cruiser yet uh, i have not but i've pretty much know most of it again from behind the scenes and from videos and friends and people that yeah. work there so I'm, I'm pretty knowledgeable on it so w- let's talk about this in relation to galaxy's edge obviously this opened star wars galactic star cruiser opened at the end of march of this year so it's been a couple months now and um w- oh, sorry it was at the beginning of march it was march beginning 1st march. right yeah march so 1st, correct. it's been uh two months and change what do you think this has done for the perception of galaxy's edge at the disney parks well i think it's kind of made it more interactive at least for the guests of the star cruiser yes <laughs> you know i've seen this you see how many people you know are at ge before galaxy's edge it's, it's fairly busy anyway now when they go to the Halcyon experience it's you know it's an all-new adventure now too and they've already been able to scan data pads and and play games but now you've got a, a mission so it seems to be a little more exciting and the, uh, the citizens that are there also seem to interact more with the passengers that are from Halcyon too. That's for sure. Yeah, I have done the Galactic Star Cruiser and I went in character and everything. And my time visiting Batu was probably a little bit more accentuated by uh, being a Halcyon passenger than it is as a regular guest. The, the problem that I had going to Batu in costume from the Halcyon was that almost probably every guest I passed every regular guest thought I was working at Walt Disney World and asked me where the bathroom was (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that was a a strange experience I wonder how many people are having that experience coming from the house I I have heard of quite a few actually (laughs) (laughs) okay Uh, I wonder I wonder how they uh, would go about fixing that issue but you do get a little pin that you wear right down to planet side so cast members will know uh, that you've come from the Galactic Star Cruiser to Batu, and they interact with you uh, accordingly. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, how about Galaxy, Galaxy's Edge as a large-scale themed land in a theme park? So we kind of, we had the precursor of this with the Wizarding World of Harry Potter at Universal Studios. I feel like that really set the standard as far as like the scale of a, a, a land that you can build inspired by a property as big as Harry Potter or Star Wars. And then they had Diagon Alley over at Islands of Adventure, or sorry, that was at Universal Studios Florida and uh, Hogsmeade Wizarding World was at Islands of Adventure. But do you think we'll ever see anything like that on that scale again in the wake of Galaxy's Edge? Do you think this is the last one of these that we'll get? I don't at all. No, I think this is only the beginning, really. Yeah. I have heard that that's kind of the direction they want to go if they can. They have the space and they have the budget and they have the interest that they'd, they'd love to, to continue something like this for future IPs. Okay. Um, now, Universal is obviously building the Epic Universe theme park, so we'll probably get some nice big themed lands over there. But if you had to predict, what do you think the next franchise would be for Disney to build something on this scale? For Disney? Oh, gosh. Uh, well, I know they're building Frozen out in uh, right. Paris. That's right. Which I think it even has a roller coaster in the whole situation out there. They're mm. also building another version of Galaxy's Edge eventually. Yeah, but that's that's on a smaller scale, though, that, than the American ones, right? It is, actually. Yeah, they're only going to have Rise of the Resistance at that location. Okay. 
but yeah, I hope hope that we get more stuff like this because I am always so impressed with the what comes out of Disney Imagineering. And like you mentioned earlier, the amount of detail that goes into planning a big land like this. Uh, I would love to see that kind of thing happen more often. Let's see. Is there anything else that we haven't touched on as far as Star Wars Galaxy's Edge goes that you want to discuss? Just I, I I don't have specifics, but I know there's some new food, new merchandise, new new reasons to return and and check things out. Right. Um, that always seems to be the the appeal of return visits nowadays. Is you get uh, new merch. That's what I always seem to be reporting on. Like, oh, we got this new star compass at um, oh, right at Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities, or they have new lightsabers in the uh, Legacy lightsaber case or whatever and then you'll get new creatures or new toys at the toys uh toy dairy and toy maker so that uh that seems to draw repeat visits and like you said getting new food and stuff like that since the attractions in the land itself don't seem to be evolving that much quite yet it it definitely seems to be the merch and the food that are going to be swapped out on a regular basis And and i've been impressed actually with the amount of folks that are returning to the star cruiser really at that price point, yeah, there, there's people going two, three times. Somebody's gone six times already. Well, six times. Six times. And in, in, yeah, it's been like two and a half months. In two and a half months. months. Wow, that's yeah. They must be uh, pretty well off, I guess. <laughs> I guess. And I, I, I don't mean to get switch over to Star Cruiser a little bit, sure. but they they just added a new offering for uh, sampling, like alcohol beverage sampling and education about the mixed drinks. Oh. I've heard people say they want to return just because of that. Wow. So you could get like a flight of the drinks yeah, or it's like, a, it's like a flight sampler type okay. uh, situation. I think it's like $65, $70 edition and it's a half hour class. Oh, wow. Okay. So like a mixology type class. Right. And they have alcoholic and non-alcoholic versions in case people don't want to drink. Oh, neat. Yeah. Uh, I would love to go back to Galactic Star Cruiser at some point. I, I feel like I missed out because I, you know, you pick kind of pick the characters that you interact with the most or they pick you. And then you kind of feel like, oh, I didn't get to spend a lot of time with the first order officer, you know, or or the astromech droid or whatever. So um, I think if I were to go back, I'd probably do the dark side path because I feel like I feel like that's the one that I missed out on the most kind of spending. I ended up being like the scoundrel, I think, Uh, even though I had selected like resistance, basically at the beginning, I was steered toward the scoundrel path and that ended up being a a tremendous amount of fun. But yeah, I would like to see more of those things uh, on the Galactic Star Cruiser, but definitely highly recommended. Uh, And yeah, Galaxy's Edge is still going strong at both Disneyland Resort and Walt Disney World. Do you have any trips planned? Are you you planning a trip down to Florida or to uh, Southern California anytime soon? If it'll be anytime soon, it'll probably be in the cooler months, November, December to uh, Galaxy's Edge, Bay, Batu East. It's just a little too hot in the summer for me. Okay, fair enough. Uh, you're not going to Star Wars Celebration then? I'm not, no, no. Is that something that you are interested in or just not a convention guy? Not a convention guy, but I'm, I'm, I'm closer to Orlando. So I, I went to the okay. one back when, Orlando, when I had it in Orlando. Oh, so uh, 2017? For me. Correct, yeah. Nice, okay. Great. Well, uh, that's going to wrap up our conversation about Galaxy's Edge here on its third anniversary. Let's go to our final segment here on Who's the Boss? It's called First Steps into a Larger World. This is where we talk about 
the media that we've been consuming and or enjoying outside of Star Wars, I saw the big new Marvel Studios movie, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and I really enjoyed it. Sam Raimi uh, is a great director. I think he's a big step up from Scott Derrickson, even though I thought Scott Derrickson did a fine job with the first Doctor Strange movie. Sam Raimi just has a very distinct filmmaking style, and I thought he was a perfect fit for this story. He really brought his uh, unique vision to Doctor Strange 2, and uh, I I loved the story. I, I was thrilled. I was surprised. I liked all the cameos, and I'm just getting, you know, uh, still into the MCU, I guess I would say. How about you, Mike? Uh, what have you been enjoying or watching or reading, playing lately? Anything? Oh, the same actually with Doctor Strange. I just okay. we're not going to talk spoilers, so I won't. I'll be careful what I say. But sure. uh, but yeah, it was absolutely amazing. I I, I always enjoyed the whole MCU, and I refreshed myself before I saw it. I watched as much as I could on Disney Plus, especially Doctor, the original Doctor Strange, and yeah. I still wasn't ready for this one. <laughs> <laughs> this was absolutely amazing. The visuals, the the whole storyline was surprising. It was exciting. It was it was a little bit of everything in this one. Yeah, um, the visuals is a great thing to talk about because I thought. I think that was my first response, actually, what, walking out of this movie was this might be the coolest looking of any of these superhero movies, really. Uh, some amazing Im imagery going on in this film. And, and Sam Raimi just has a great eye for that kind of thing. And I'm looking forward to seeing it again and just paying attention to the different tricks and techniques that he uses and just the cool looking shots. And, and yeah, it, it's great. The f fun characters, a lot of funny moments and and lots of action and even some horror elements in there and be sure to watch the inside joke at the final little scene in the credits yes definitely <laughs> do that as well uh we won't spoil too much more no 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 <laughs> all right uh that is going to wrap up this 101st episode of who's the bosk i want to thank my guest for this week his name is mike farnham thank you so much again mike for stopping by the show for the very first time. Oh, thanks for having me, Mike. I really appreciate it. I had a great time. Great. Awesome. And uh, yeah, definitely visit swgalaxiesedge.com. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. And, yeah. And that's all your news and updates about Galaxy's Edge. And you're also on Twitter. What's the Twitter handle again? It's at SW underscore edge. Great. At SW underscore edge on Twitter. And you can find him on Facebook and everything like that. I know you have like Galaxy's Edge and Galactic Star Cruiser groups going on Facebook, right? Yeah, correct. If you go to swgalaxyedge.com, there's a menu of all the different uh, pages and websites. Awesome. And on laughingplace.com, you can find all your Disney news and opinions about pretty much everything Disney owns. I've been doing a ton of Star Wars stuff. As always, we had a lot of news coming out of May the 4th, and I did some reviews and stuff that I mentioned earlier. Next week on Who's the Boss, we are going to be diving into Star Wars Celebration. We'll do a preview episode of Star Wars Celebration. That'll be the week before the celebration starts. So check that out one week from now. My name is Mike Celestino. I want to thank everybody out there for listening. As always, visit laughingplace.com. Thanks so much. See you next time. Bye. Boring conversation anyway.